Hey, you ever needed something for your home but don't have the cash or credit to pay for it? You can do that at Aaron's. Yep, you can rent to own appliances like washers, dryers, or refrigerators, furniture for your living room or bedroom, even tech. Plus, Aaron's has great brands like HP, Samsung, and Ashley. Life's always changing. Keep it, return it, upgrade it. Aaron's fits your life instead of the other way around. So check out your nearest Aaron's store or visit Aaron's.com to see what I'm talking about. Approval isn't guaranteed and some restrictions apply. You got to see your local store for details. Hey everybody, listen up. I got I got mega huge news. Meat Eater Live is heading back out on the road. That's right. Join me and the crew. Clay Newcomb, Cal, Yanni, Spencer's going to be there. Phil the Engineer is going to be there. Meet it or live, head it back out. Now, when you get every ticket, okay, every ticket you buy, you get a signed copy of our new Meat Eater Outdoor Cookbook. This tour is celebrating the release of the book. Buy a ticket, get a signed copy, Meat Eater Outdoor Cookbook, Wild Game Recipes for the Grill, Smoker, Camp Stove, and Camp Fire, which I'll point out is a $38 value. Here's where we're going to go. April 23rd, the Mesa Art Center in Mesa, Arizona. April 24th, the Balboa Theater in San Diego. April 25th, the Grove in Anaheim, California. April 27th, the Crest Theater in Sacramento. April 29th, the Union in Salt Lake City. April 30, the Egyptian in Boise. May 1, the Wilma Theater in Missoula. May 2, the Bing Crosby Theater in Spokane, Washington. May 4, Revolution Hall in Portland, Oregon. And May 5, the last day of the tour, Pantages Theater in Tacoma, Washington. For tickets and more information, visit the events page at TheMeatEater.com. Hope to see you at the show. All right, let's jump in. You guys take it easy on me, all right? Okay. I'll try. No promises for Dan, though. You don't have to take it easy on me. <laughs> Just kidding. Welcome to another edition of the Meat Eater Podcast. I'm Giannis Patelis. I'm sitting in for Stephen Ronella today. We're coming to you from the ZPZ West offices in beautiful Bozeman, Montana. All right. Um, I'm sitting here today surrounded by a few of the reasons why I love my job so much. And there are many reasons why I love my job. One of them is that I get to talk hunting with Steve Rennell about five days a week. A lot of people think that would get old, but it does not. We just love talking hunting together. Um, Maybe not for the people in the so office. Cute. Though. <laughs> it's so cute. I'll I cre- do every day at lunch. <laughs> yeah. Creating adventures is part of my job description. It's just, I love my job. But I also love it because I get to work with these fine people in this room right now. They're interesting, creative, and thought-provoking individuals. Um, we have with us Annie Racer, ZPZ West producer, Brittany Brothers, ZPZ West producer, and guest star on many Meat Eater episodes. Nicole Caltieri, social media manager of Meat Eater and most things ZPZ West. And then Dan Doty, which is like the grand, who's like the grand wizard <laughs> of ZPZ West. <laughs> and ma- many more things I can't even get into. Right now, we don't have enough time for that. But um, the reason I had, we figured our topic today would be hunting. I don't even know how to say it right, but we're, we're going to just the f- throw it out there. Yep. <laughs> hunting, 
with females, by females, female hunting, women hunting, however you want to put it. Just want to kind of discuss all that. And at first I was a little nervous about it. It's like, man, I'm going to surround myself with these three, like kind of very intelligent, intelligent, <laughs> well, well, you know, knowledgeable, opinionated, you know, women. And I was thinking, well, hold on. Like, that's how my life is every day. <laughs> I'm at the office with them. Then I go home. I'm surrounded. I'm outnumbered <laughs> by women. So I shouldn't be nervous in this situation at all. Um, and I think for me, just to why I thought it'd be interesting, it's important for me to talk about this is because I do have two daughters. And, you know, to me, for me to be a great dad to them, I think it's important that I understand, you know, I try to understand women, females, um, probably helps with uh, me being a good husband too. And uh, I also want them to hunt, you know? And so I think it's important for me and many of our listeners, hopefully to like understand the perspectives, thoughts, feelings, motivations, all that stuff um, from women hunters that surround women hunters. And, uh, you know, it's just knowledge is power. So um, that's kind of why I want to do this. So first, I kind of want to get you guys going and just have you explain kind of like what your background was to or your relation to hunting before you were here and kind of what brought you to you know, being sitting here in this room today and then what like your current introduction to hunting was, you know, or if it wasn't like recent and it's not current, what it was many, many years ago. Um, Brittany here. I got interested in hunting through Meat Eater and before Meat Eater, I was completely anti-hunting. Like I just, I grew up in the South um, where just as like generalization, um, I thought hunters were just sort of redneck bubbas who like to get drunk and shoot things. And even though I ate meat growing up, like I literally never equated the idea of hunting to meat. Um, so I was so super against it and then, you know, started, you know, went to film school and, and started working at ZPZ. And at some point we picked up the wild within, which is the original meat eater show. And, I was just like, oh God, we're doing a hunting show? Like this is, like we're so much better than this. And then, you know, had a big premiere party for Wild Within and Steve's buddies, you know, cooked up all this awesome wild, these wild game dishes. And I mean, instant like venison diplomacy, like I was an instant convert to hunting purely through the food. Um, And now I've been working with, you know, Meat Eater and Steve and these guys for, three years or so now and like I just I shot my first animal this past fall with Annie who's here (laughs) um shot my first rabbit with Giannis who's also here this fall and um and did all shot two deer in Wisconsin um that was just on the meat eater episode so um and I have a freezer full of meat now and I'm super stoked about that that was long sorry yeah um I come from a different background, I guess. Growing up in Ohio, it was really normal to hunt whitetails. Um, so I was definitely around hunting. It wasn't familial to me. Like it wasn't something that happened in my family. Um, but I had friends that hunted. Um, I moved from Ohio in the middle of high school, but I had actually signed up for a hunter safety class when I was 16. So it was something that I was curious about back then. And then really in between that point of being 16 and into my kind of 
mid-20s. Um, I was living in cities and going to college and, and just in more urban areas. So that exposure kind of died off. Um, I had friends, I went to Colorado State University and I had friends that hunted ducks, like friends with um, like duck hunting dogs, but it was never something I was really interested in. Then moving to, I came to Bozeman for a corporate job in the fall of 2012. And um, I mean, just sort of by default, when you come to Bozeman, you end up outside. And I got into hiking and um, remember having elk for the first time in a couple of friends' houses and um, sort of being in- introduced to this idea of um, hunting as a source of meat that wasn't coming from the industrial complex. And that was really, that like really kind of got the um, motor going. And then um, I did a backpacking trip on the Continental Divide by myself. And actually I had this like really interesting moment where um, I'd been on the trail for a few days. I hadn't seen any people and I'm sitting at the top of this like high field and I'd just eaten dinner and the sun like set behind the mountains and um a cow elk walked into the field in front of me. And um, she was followed by a big bull. And one by one, over 100 elk came out of the forest. And it was really strange because I froze. And I realized, like, on an instinctual level, I was like, I am a predator. <laughs> like, it was, it was just a bizarre feeling. And after that night, I decided that I wanted to hunt. And it was something that kind of had come out of this, like, just interesting moment and I think all the different like introductions of my friends leading up to that moment um, and then um, I was looking for jobs and on Craigslist I came across this ZPZ position which was like so serendipitous and um, by that time I was really curious about hunting I kind of made the decision that I wanted to hunt and um, like just becoming a part of the meat eater crew has totally given me given me this like incredible education and background and I like I feel really privileged to learn from you guys. And then I was able to hunt for the first time this past season unsuccessfully. But um, I mean, to me, I identify as a hunter now. Like it's something that I want to do, and it's something that I want to be a good ambassador for. Can I ask you a quick question? When you say you were sixteen and you did the hunter safety, what was it there that like piqued your curiosity? Um, I had a really close group. My uh, actually, my dad passed away when I was around when I was fifteen, mm-hmm. and he was a big. We had a lot of guns growing up in my house, so, like that was really normal. And um, but I had never grown up shooting or anything like that. But um, like throughout the time that he had cancer and up until the time that he passed away, I had this really tight group of guy friends, and um, they were all hunters, and they kind of took me under their wing, and I. Like just, I don't know. It was it was Midwestern. It was like very much so like a community thing, and um, I think like a lot of their parents kind of took me in as like another kid, and it was just I don't know. It came from like this community of guys that I was friends with, and um, there were a couple of us that were going to take the hunter safety class together, um, but we ended up moving before I did that. My turn. Annie, your turn. This is Annie. Yeah, that um, was Nicole. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up in um, Montana, and I wanted to be a veterinarian. And uh, my dad, whenever we drive by like roadkill, I would like almost start crying, and he'd be like, "Oh, they're just sleeping," like to the deer, and I, I was like, "Dumb," believed him. <laughs> 
And uh, he started hunting. Um, he's not from here, but he started hunting probably five years after, or maybe two years after we moved here. Um, deer and elk um, and got a lot of stuff. And we were always eating like wild game. We had like a huge freezer in our garage. And my mom like and dad made awesome wild game meals and I think eventually I decided I didn't want to be a vet and probably started realizing the deer weren't always sleeping on the side (laughs) of the road (laughs) um and then I moved to Vermont for nine years for high school and college and there's also a lot of hunting there but I wasn't as exposed to it probably as I was when I was living at home and then after college I moved to Los Angeles um and I don't think I ever thought about hunting in the six years I lived there um and then I moved back to Montana about a year ago and became friends with Brittany and she told me she worked on this hunting show and I was kind of just like, "Mm, whatever, like not interested. And (laughs) then, um, I'm like a freelance producer. So this thing came up, um, this summer, this documentary, I'm allowed to talk about that. Yeah. We're making a documentary. Sure. Documentary and, um, they needed help. So they called me and we met about it and I was available and I was like, sure, I'll do it. But I still wasn't really a convert. Like I was like, whatever, like it's a job. Um, and then we went to Alaska for two weeks um, to shoot a, a part of the dock with Steve. And it was like probably one of the, I don't know, most like life changing experiences in my life. Just like the hunting part and just the crew and being on being on uh, Alaskan <laughs> Island. No, I think it's okay. It's all right. No, yeah. no, no. Uh, is fine. Sorry, all about confidentiality and stuff. No, anyway, right. so um, that trip was just life changing, and I'd always thought about like where my food came from, and um, I read like some Michael Pollan in college, and I got into different kinds of food movements. But after that, I decided like I had to kill something and eat it, like just so I knew exactly where my food came from. So we got back. I think the first weekend of September and like two weeks later, Nicole and I took Hunter's safety and then I don't know, Brittany and I both killed our first um, deer like a few days into hunting season together. So Back up for a second. When you were on the trip in POW, what, what was, was there a moment or what, what was sort of like the, the actual turning point? Can you remember? Or is it just sort of the, the whole thing? Did you feel it when you were there or did you feel it once you got home? Oh, no. Like, while I was there, I think, I don't know, every day was just insane. I mean, we caught and killed our food almost, like, every day. Well, I'd never done that. Like, when Steve um, killed that black-tailed deer, like, we ate, I mean, I'm sure for hunters this is normal, and now, like, that I've done it myself, it is, but we ate the heart and the liver, like, hours after he killed it, and that was, like, I had never in my life, even with fish, like, done something like that. So that was just crazy. Probably that night when we were all on top of the mountain and like eating that and just all like really tired and haggard and it was just like a celebratory event and eating that was awesome and my perspective from that was like before Annie and I became really close friends and we you know I knew she was going on the shoot and I just kept saying like I can't wait to go hunting this fall like it's gonna be so fun you should totally do it too and she was kind of like eh you know like not really interested and like the whole time we were on, the, she was on the shoot. We were texting like the whole time. I don't know if you guys knew this, but I, like I knew everything that was going on. And, <laughs> and, and just to give the listeners a little bit of background, you had been on an elk hunt the year before. Was your first big game hunt, right. so you had had that like initial experience to get you hooked. Right, totally, yeah. And um, I mean, and I've been interested in hunting ever since I started meeting her. Like I said, but yeah. But anyway, the whole time, and I just like remember, I could probably find it in my phone, just like a text, like I want to go hunting now. 
from her. <laughs> that was just like, I was just like, what? Like, that's awesome. I was so excited about it. And then like, since when you got back, you know, like we just sort of planned, like started planning our our first yeah. hunt that we were going to go hunting. That's together. one of the cool things about both shooting Meat Eater and the documentary and all this stuff for the last few years is that the, the amount of life-changing sentiments and life-changing experience that people have out on the, sh- on the Meat Eater shoots is pretty much across the board, whether it's a camera guy or a producer or whatever. Like The experience of itself tends uh, to change minds and change hearts a bit. Will you guys share your uh, first hunting, successful hunting experience when you guys had together? Oh, yeah. Because you guys doubled up, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So, do you want to tell it? I mean, you can start it. Okay. I might correct you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, so, uh. Don't forget the part where you, uh, your battery died either. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, oh that's right. Dan was nearby. Was, so, no, we have, we have nearby. a fact checker. Yeah. Right? He's yeah, there. I'm going to keep you in line. Okay. Well, so this is how it happened. So, so we had gotten sort of a tip from Dan of like a good spot to go to in Montana. We're not going to say where. Um, <laughs> And anyway, so we were like, okay, like, we're totally going to do this. We woke up super, super early. Like, it must have been... Three in the morning? Four three, in the Yeah, morning. three or four in the morning. And, you know, we went to the gas station, got gas. First of all, both of us are kitted out in, like, full camo and stuff. And I remember we go in, and there are these dudes who are also probably hunting, too, you know? And, like, I don't know about you, but I just felt like, oh, they're just giving us this look. You were like, wearing what? your Toms. Oh, like, you right. were, she was wearing, like, head to toe, like, first light. <laughs> yeah, and, like, right. I don't know what else. And then, like, same thing with me and, like, our, like... Blaze orange, my... and then she had toms on her feet. <laughs> yeah, these two guys right. were just looking at us, just like, "What are these?" Are toms awesome? are oh, Tom's shoes. You know, like the, the the they give one, like you buy one, and then they give a pair to like a. Oh, it's know. like a slipper, slipper looking kind yeah, of. Yeah, they, they're just like slippers. Yeah, like little. What you call yeah, just slide on. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, slippers. So it was because like I, I wasn't ready to put my boots on or anything like that. You know, that is like, also it, important it, to the story. That's true. It's true. Also, we were listening to like Adele or Beyonce on our probably drive out. Like I was like, we're probably the only hunters who was listening. No, no, there's to other hunters. That was, <laughs> yeah, like, it was yeah. Adele like, because the Adele album had just come out, and we were like real into it. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, Anyway, yeah, so that was an interesting part. But so anyway, we we drive out there and we get out there, and you know, you have to like sign in or whatever and um we get out there and we go to where dan tells us to go and there's just like probably 20 you know does just running across this field and we both had we had a a a buck tag and a doe tag and it could be either for either male or female whitetail or a male mule deer and we had the guidebook with us but we left it in the car we really like we both like got like super like i mean must have been like buck fever you know we were just like oh my gosh oh my gosh oh my gosh so we like got in the back you know like put our boots on got (laughs) our got our rifles and like kind of like you know sort of not really sprinting we weren't running with guns but we were walking very quickly um and we get out there and like just so many of them and like we have so many opportunities and like something in my head was like wait a minute how do you know if they're mule deer or whitetail? Like, what's the difference? Yeah. And and we were both like, oh, like they're whitetail. And then we're like, wait, uh. yeah. And like we just so yeah. So like we just we couldn't we we just didn't know. And we were trying to get like service on our phone, and and the guidebook was back in the car. So we we're like, uh, like do we do we risk it? So like no. So we ran back to the car, and like looking through the guidebook, looking like on the internet, and just 
we're just like, okay, they're definitely white tail. Like they don't have the ropey tail and they don't, you know, bound the same way as mule deer. So we went back out there and like, they're all just crossing this, this fence that into private land, into private <laughs> land where we can no longer hunt. And then maybe they're like, maybe we had like maybe one or two other opportunities, but it was just too rushed and there was no way it was going to happen. So we were just like, crap. So <laughs> we knew that later in the afternoon that they would probably all come back over that fence and stuff. But we literally just sat out there all day, all day. <laughs> waiting <laughs> like, had we known ahead of time but and actually I think we like at some point we were we were sitting in your car for a while and we were like why don't we just like go walk around or something so we walked around and spooked some deer but we had like no idea where they went or where they were going and <laughs> or just, what we like, were doing or, yeah we had no idea what we were doing um but anyway yeah so then you know later we, we texted Dan he was like oh you know Sean and I want to come come out and um but we hunted in different spots and we were like you know we kind of want to favor this one spot where we'd been hanging out because we had seen them all go down the hill and we saw a ton of tracks towards like the river so we figured they'd be coming back up the same direction at night yeah so um so yeah that afternoon sure enough like we saw them on the private land and they just kept coming closer and closer and closer and i had my eyes on this group that was like you know i don't directly in front of us but then andy was like whoa whoa, whoa, look (laughs) over here and so to the left there were like three deer just kind of all of a sudden like almost like running towards us yeah so we had sat we were basically sitting out in the open but just below the um the line of the hill so we weren't skyline or anything but we were kind of out in the open um and yeah they're like running up and we're like okay like oh my gosh you know like this is this is it this is it this is it and we both set up on our packs and you know it was like who's gonna shoot first and you're like you shoot first it's like okay (laughs) so um we just waited and waited waited until they hopped the fence and I waited for the first one to take maybe like 10 steps or so and Jess is about to shoot and he's like it's a buck but I mean I had you know and I you know beginner's mistake I should have confirmed for sure before I shot you know but very luckily like I had tags both, for both tags for both so I shot and it didn't it stopped sort of for like a second and then it kept walking so I got nervous and so I shot it again and then it maybe took two steps and then it dropped and then the two other ones who were right that were right behind it were they were like very hesitant <laughs> yeah they were confused like they didn't run away right away and so I was like Annie Annie like take a shot take a shot and we were both kind of just like what do we do like do we go to my deer now like you know what I mean we were just very and they turned back around they turned around and ran back over the fence but then they st- they, t- they hopped over two fences and then they stopped and they turned around and Brittany was like let's just maybe we should just wait here for a minute I was like really okay so we waited for like, I don't know, 10 more minutes. Sure enough, they totally forgot what had happened and they came back. The exact same way. They came and, back the exact yeah. same way. I didn't, rem- I didn't hear that part of the story. Oh, yeah. oh really? Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, they literally just came back across as if nothing had really happened. Yeah. And so it was basically like Annie was set up and just waiting for one of them to stop. Yeah. And one of them, did, I can't remember if it was the first or second one. I kept switching between which one I was going to shoot at. Right. <laughs> But whichever one you chose, like it dropped instantly, yeah. maybe like ten feet from my deer yeah. that I shot, and then we were just like, "Oh my gosh, <laughs> it was so crazy!" Um, and then yeah, and then we we ate a little bit, went over to them, and um, we pretty much butchered them. I mean, Dan, Sean helped a little bit, and um, but we we you know yeah. gutted them pretty much for the most part, and quartered them out there with Dan and Sean's help, and. 
then we butchered the whole things ourselves. Oh, with, Although, also my do- car died. Right. Because I, 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 shouldn't, I shouldn't gloss over that I went fact. to move my car to use the headlights. Because it was dark. Yeah, and then I, my car died. So Her car battery died after Dan and Sean <laughs> left. And so we waited for your roommate to come get us. And drive we just like danced an hour in the dark. Up. Celebratory deer dance. Yeah, it was. And then we spent like eight hours the next day completely butchering both deer all ourselves In all with the help of the guidebook yeah. yeah the first couple hours you're like oh, this is fun we were like dancing and singing or whatever <laughs> and then by like maybe like three or four hours in we were just like like dead silent dead silent <laughs> and then like the last couple hours we both had like very sharp knives in our hands just like looking at each other like <laughs> might stab you. I don't know if I do this any longer. (laughs) It was really impressive. It was impressive to be out there. I got out there and literally it wasn't more than a half an hour after I hiked out farther past where you guys were. And I heard one shot a little bit later, heard a second shot. You know, I I figured it was you guys. I I didn't, I didn't see anybody else, but you know, I came back, had two deer down. I was like, what the hell? (laughs) Like, that's really impressive it was impressive <laughs> but I'll tell you even if you like read Steve's guidebook and you watch YouTube videos the second that thing is dead and you're like okay like now I have to do the, like I had no idea like I had forgotten everything with how to you know gut it and all that stuff yeah but we did it how yeah. was that process you know, I'm like a very squeamish person and I, I I hate the sight of blood. I've passed out getting shots and like getting my blood drawn and stuff. And and I was really concerned that I was going to have a similar experience like whenever I first gutted my first year. And like no, not even a single feeling. It was it yeah. was like very like automatic. Like, okay, this is what I have to do now. Like there was no part of me felt sick or disgusted at all. Um I think the one time that I did feel slightly disgusted was actually in Wisconsin. I accidentally nicked the stomach when I was like, and that was just like, whoa, that smell was <laughs> unholy. But other than that, yeah, there was like no part of me at all that felt like disgusted. Yeah, you like had to go to work. Like we, I, yeah. we, I didn't have any time to like think about it or feel bad about it or be grossed out. I was a little bit grossed out, like cutting the windpipe, which I made maybe Brittany do for yeah. me. <laughs> you did. <laughs> yeah. It but was weird. For the most part, you're just like, okay, I got to do this. I got to do it like now. Right. Totally. Hey, everybody, listen up. I got, I got mega huge news. Meat Eater Live is heading back out on the road. That's right. Join me and the crew, Clay Newcomb, Cal, Yanni, Spencer's going to be there. Phil the Engineer is going to be there. Meat Eater Live, headed back out. Now, when you get every ticket, okay, every ticket you buy, you get a signed copy of our new Meat Eater Outdoor Cookbook. This tour is celebrating the release of the book. Buy a ticket, get a signed copy, Meat Eater Outdoor Cookbook, Wild Game Recipes for the Grill, Smoker, Camp Stove, and Camp Fire, which I'll point out is a $38 value. Here's where we're going to go. April 23rd, the Mesa Art Center in Mesa, Arizona. April 24th, the Balboa Theater in San Diego. April 25th, the Grove in Anaheim, California. April 27th, the Crest Theater in Sacramento. April 29, The Union in Salt Lake City. April 30, The Egyptian in Boise. May 1, The Wilma Theater in Missoula. May 2, The Bing Crosby Theater in Spokane, Washington. May 4, Revolution Hall in Portland, Oregon. And May 5, the last day of the tour, Pantages Theater in Tacoma, Washington. For tickets and more information, visit the events page at the Meat Eater. Dot com. Hope to see you at the show. 
it was gnarly. It does become work pretty much right after that thing falls over dead, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. It's kind of anticlimactic in a lot of ways. <laughs> For sure. And Nicole, you had a couple days in the field, but no no luck. But you no know, you luck. said you said you had a shot. I took a know? shot. You took a shot. I missed. <laughs> but still though, you only you spent two days or more in the field? Um, I went two days deer hunting by myself and then one day with you. Right. So three days and you got a shot in three days. So really well, I got two that, opportunities that's pretty in good. three days because there was the deer that um, Liannis took me out one morning. <laughs> it was actually the same honey hole that Bubro and Annie killed their deer on. And um, we just hadn't really seen any deer close by. And I was kind of walking behind you and I'm five six and you're what? Like six <laughs> Six two, six three. seven foot three. Seven foot nine. <laughs> and um, so we were walking back to the truck, and then you walked over to that little like knob, and then you just said, "Shoot that deer!" But I was behind you and shorter than you, so I didn't. I hadn't even seen the deer yet. But then I got down and put my crosshairs on it, um, but I just couldn't. Um, I don't know. It was it was such an overwhelming feeling. Just, I mean, it's a big difference to go from shooting at the range and looking through your crosshairs to like having like a live animal in your crosshairs. So that was like a crazy feeling. Um, and then after that, you figured out that my scope was on full magnification. Mm. Yeah, that's and, a killer. And so um, that was good to know. And then um, when I went out by myself, it was around that same area, which is like a pretty easy hunting whitetail area. And um, the opportunity that I ended up getting, I had actually gone early in the morning and it's a really high pressure area. So if you don't get there first, um, you know, like the spot that I went to for that morning, like I opened the door to my car and a shot rang out. But um I had woken up early enough, I just realized that I didn't have any Hunter Orange. So I needed to go to like a gas station and find one, and, and luckily I did, but um, it just put me behind. I think that if I had remembered that point, then I would have made it there first. But um, I actually went and got breakfast somewhere, and then I decided, like when I came back, like you could just tell like all the deer were just moving around anyway. Like I think they were just really disrupted because it was so high pressure, and I was just seeing deer everywhere, and it was like you know, 1130 in the morning. And I was like, well, I mean, what are the chances that the deer are going to go back when, you know, kind of break that like crepuscular routine that they're having? Like probably a pretty high chance. Like they're constantly being bumped and moved around. Um, So it was funny. I actually like went to a different spot. I will, I went one of those days, I went um, to about seven different spots just to check them out. So I like kind of drove... Um, I found like some weird elk spots where you could shoot elk from the road. And it was like, I don't know, that was actually a little bit disturbing. And then um, just because there were people that were just blatantly breaking the rules. They were like driving out to pick up their elk carcasses. They were, uh, you know, on people's block management land and, um, you know, people drinking a shitload of beer and, you know, just doing things. That I'm like, okay, well, that's not, yeah, not really my speed. For those that you don't know, is a program in Montana where it's like uh, between private land holders and the game and fish. And they basically set up a system where you can, like Brittany was talking about, signing in. You just sign into these properties sometimes, you know, months ahead of time, sometimes just the morning of, and then there's special rules so that, you know, you, you, you know, 
to respect the property. And so one of the big things is like some of these properties, you actually can't leave animal parts at all. And, um, but you can't definitely can't drive out on the ag fields, and, you're, and people were doing that. And people were doing that. And then when I was driving on that particular road where you could hunt elk, there were like organs just on the road. Like people just like left them out there, and so it was, it was just it was kind of a weird scenario for me to see. Um, yeah. But I figured out like where the whitetail places were, and that's where I went back. And um, so I actually went to this little area where there was like a little draw. And as I was driving back from that breakfast, like coming back, um, it was kind of near one of the sign-in boxes. Well, two deer went from property that I couldn't hunt on to property I could hunt on, like right in front of my car. So um, I just immediately pulled up, parked, started getting my gear together. And um, that was actually when the guy pulled in next to me. So... I'm by myself. I have my border collie in the car. Um, I'm I'm just wearing like yoga pants and a sweatshirt and Sorrells. Like I'm definitely not decked out in camo. Um, and like many hunters aren't. Yeah, you know, you know, like um, uh, I keep Especially it casual. These parts. I like to keep it casual. Um, <laughs> I was going to look yoga so, later. So, so. What do you mean by that around these parts? People around here don't wear camo. Oh, yeah. And I think, well, he, th- these parts being like, I feel like it's more, I don't know, I'm trying to think where there's more heavily camo clad folks. Um, there definitely are a lot of them in Bozeman, you know, that put a lot of effort into, you know, high quality camouflage. But I feel like here and like where I grew up in Michigan and Wisconsin, like a lot of the guys I grew up hunting with, like didn't wear any camouflage. It was like blue jeans, Carhartts, red flannel. Yeah. You know, gotcha. you, you kind of wore your orange, you know, especially rifle hunting. Like, it's not really necessary. They look like the original hipsters in all their pictures. <laughs> Car exactly. pants and buffalo plaid shirts What's and buffalo plaid look like? It's that big, like, red and black plaid. All right, I'm going to have to hurry you along a little bit, but you got an opportunity. So I got an but opportunity. You, but you, yeah. but you, I missed. You shot over, over, over his or her back. I did. Yeah. What's your hook now? My hook? You're hooked. I'm hooked. Yeah, I'm excited to go back. And um, I already bought my licenses, and I'm putting in for some tags. and That's been a fun process. Do you get a turkey hunt this year? I put in for a turkey tag, so we'll see if I get one. But I, I also bought a, an over-the-counter turkey tag. Same. So excited. Six bucks. That's no, less Annie? Than a- Annie's shaking her head. You no. can't see her. Annie's not <laughs> interested in turkey hunting, but no, I just, don't I just it. give it time, you know, like with the whole hunting thing in general. You know, she didn't. She came around eventually, so maybe she'll come around to the turkeys. Would you at least go with Brittany to see what it's all about? Maybe. I don't know. It just doesn't. I don't get it. What don't you get? I don't know. I just don't. Everyone's so into it. These guys are so into it. I just don't. I've never even done it, but it's like, and I can see that a little bit. Like, it's not like, doesn't just watching it doesn't seem super exciting, but like their excitement Plus, I don't know, it's just like a different type of hunting. Like to me, that's, I just want to try every types of hunt. And look, every I totally type of understand. I was there for five years as all my friends around me were just like, you know, elk. Yeah, that's cool. But dude, turkeys, <laughs> let me tell you, man. Like, how come you're not coming with us in April? Ah. And eventually I just, you know, I, you know, I figured it out. I think you will too. You'll come with us this spring. It'll be, it'll okay, be fine. Force, forcefully. <laughs> yes. yes. You'll come back to the office and be like, what's up, Annie? You'll just answer with, 
You can't wear you can't wear all your hot pink that you wear to work every day though. Oh yeah. God. <laughs> um. You're like, no, no, I want to go then. All right, so those stories you guys just described, they were interesting, but to me, really, looking at it from a, uh, I should say, uh, you know, w- with with no filter, you know, or, or no. What am I trying to say here, Dan? Just a very like, uh, like a. Blank. You're not going to offend us. I don't know what you're yeah, trying to say. Go for it. Um, no, I'm not going to. No, I'm, I'm not trying to get out of offending you. <laughs> um, but it's uh, the stories themselves really aren't there. It, it doesn't matter that you guys are females. Right. I guess up it's to this exclusive. point, it's like it's really their stories of uh, inexperienced and you know beginner hunters. You know, and Dan and I did it many many years ago. Plenty of people. I was leading up to this podcast. I was thinking a lot about how my brother got into it, you know. And I feel like I mentored a lot, my brother, a lot in the last five years on getting into hunting. The same way I have a lot with Brittany Brothers. And really, it's I don't know if there's been any differences whatsoever. I mean, it's been very, very similar. You know, the same kind of amount of time in their going to the range. And I think that like the the uh you know the bell curve of of learning has been very similar between the two of you guys too you know it took him the first thing that jumped out at me with your all your stories is that all of you went out and did it on your own this year which i think would be interesting to look at statistics of men or women hunters to see how many people have the balls or or the ovaries to go out <laughs> and, and, and no, really honest yeah. to go do it like because that's one of the biggest blocks to getting into hunting for anybody is not having a mentor or not having people to take you mm-hmm. and that's what people always talk about is nobody there's nobody to take me or show you know, so you all did it on your own mm-hmm. which is super cool super super cool well i think like the door was open for us like i i wouldn't have gone hunting by my like it, it's just sort of like um taking the first step like Giannis took me out that one day and then after that i was like okay i can go do this you know and it's just having, it's just having somebody's vote of confidence in a way that they're like just kind of passing the buck, like literally, I guess. <laughs> I think Annie doesn't want to hunt turkeys because it's she doesn't think it's a womanly activity. She thinks that <laughs> yes. hunting deer is womanly. But yes, turkeys is definitely. less <laughs> definitely what it is. is less womanly. Yeah. I'm yeah, usually like them, concerned you know? about um, yeah how womanly the activities I'm doing are. <laughs> yeah, like a ski racer, and I'm just like, oh, is this womanly? Okay, I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would say that's probably the biggest concern for all three of us. Yeah, <laughs> We're all very feminine, <laughs> and I don't actually wear all pink. <laughs> she only wears all black. <laughs> now that you guys have made that. Taking that step or had that introduction Mm -hmm. to hunting, and you pretty much all consider yourselves hunters, Annie. Uh, Do I consider myself? Yeah, I don't know yet. I kind of feel like a poser if I if I was saying that. Why do you feel that way? I just because I don't know. It's been like eight months since I even considered doing it. Have hunted? Yeah. Does that not make you a hunter? I don't know. Does going skiing once make you a skier? No. No. Hmm. I've I've now gone skiing probably ten times, and you, I consider myself a skier now. You identify as a skier, and like some part of me, yeah, yeah, like along with the, all the other things that I do, you know. I think if you have intent to like learn something and like continue to it to do it, then I think that you can attach a part of yourself to that identity. Like 
Um, I think that I might tell people I'm a hunter, but I'd be like, you know, I'm a new hunter. I st- like, I right. still haven't killed something, but I don't think that it necessarily like takes a kill to like make you a hunter. You know, well, because hunting yeah isn't about it's an, killing. It's an action. It's- and nor does the amount of time you know spent doing it really make you a hunter either. Because there's an amazing amount of hunters out there that hunt two or three days every right. year, and that's it. And they certainly identify as a hunter. You know. Yeah, you could say like I'm a beginner hunter. I'm a beginner. Once I do it twice, maybe. Okay. (laughs) Successfully. So we're close. We're close. (laughs) So my question is then, has that changed your view on a lot of things? But mostly just like overall, like your just general view of life. Now that you're like a hunter, can you, do you feel like you just view is there any or anything in particular you can point out that you view differently now as a hunter? Oh, I mean, a hundred percent food. Yeah, I think food is like the biggest thing. I mean, yeah. one, like I haven't gone to a grocery store to buy meat at all. But whenever I do, like, look at meat and the meat that I've like again, like Annie and I but- both butchered our deer from the whole animal down to like individually packaged pieces, and it's like I know exactly like what part of that animal, like the the meat that I'm eating. And when I go out to the restaurant, I think about the same thing. And I've been watching a lot of like Netflix food series and reading a lot about, you know, just where our food comes from lately. Um, and yeah, it's just so fascinating now that I, that I have done the whole experience from field to table. Like that's just totally life changing for me. Have you ever had a garden? Have you gardened before? Uh, well, I, you know, mostly lived in big cities. Um, so in New York, I had a tomato plant and I had some <laughs> herbs. <laughs> and so sure, I had a little garden. But like, and that was so rewarding, like to have start from like the, you know, little tomato seeds and then to eat the little tomatoes that I got. I mean, they weren't great tasting, by the way, they were terrible. But, um, but that was, it was still like super rewarding. I was so excited about that. Um, so I, I guess I have had that same, like, sense a little bit. Um, I'm sure in like a larger scale gardening is, um, a lot more tasking than buying some seeds and putting them in a pot and putting them in my window. Um, but I don't know. Hunting is to me, it's different because you're actually like killing something and then dealing with a lot of blood and guts and, um, yeah, I don't know. I think, yeah, that's definitely been the biggest life changing part. Yeah. I think for me, it like changed my experience with the land. Like, and I I think that that's really where it came from. Like, it came from um, doing a lot of hiking around the state by myself, deciding I was going to do this backpacking trip by myself, going down into the Wind Rivers, hiking in Yellowstone, backpacking in Yellowstone by myself, backpacking in the Beaverhead, like where I saw the elk. Um, I think it just changes the way that you look at the land and like your interaction with animals. And the thing that I thought while I was on the trail was it would be way more fun to be like going and like paying attention to animal behavior and being able to know like, how are these animals like moving? Like, where are they in the daytime? Where are they at night? And, um, and probably a little bit of that goes back to just my experience with being riding horses my whole life and like really paying attention to their behavior. Like I always loved herd behavior and um, learning all of those dynamics. Um, and when I sit and watch a herd of elk, I mean, you see all a lot of those like same interactions. So I like it from that kind of behavioral side, and I like it from the side of hiking and 
being in new places and being in places that other people aren't going. Like, that's really what makes me excited about it. You know, I noticed too before Annie goes, sorry, is like from, from the first Meat Eater episode that we did, the Cow Elk one, like sitting there and glassing with Steve and Giannis and all those guys, and they'd be like, there's, there's one, there's one, there's a deer. I was just like, I have no idea what you guys are looking <laughs> at. Now I feel like I drive around and I'm just like, there's a deer, there's an antelope. You know what I mean? I see them like really, really well. And, and like I pointed out to the, to the, my family was just in town over Christmas and we were driving around and I would point them out and they're like, how in the world did you see that? And like, I have no, like, I think it just comes from just developing a game. Life. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But so that was, yeah, again, but it's like that connection to land that I really, I really love. And get your farm life a game. I can't, no, I'm not kidding. You really can't. Yeah. It's a good skill to have. Yeah. How about relationship between men and women? Now that you guys are hunters, has that changed at all? Like dating, like do you guys look at guys differently or like maybe judge a guy whether he's a hunter or not? Um, well, again, like having having lived in big cities for so long, it's like not something that you would find and yeah. really in, a, in somebody there. But now that I've moved to Bozeman, I mean, I don't know. It's, I guess it's... Um, it's definitely an attractive factor about somebody if I'm like interested in dating them, <laughs> um, whether or not they hunt. But it's not like it's not like a deal breaker. I mean, it's it is cool to then the just the idea of like maybe you know you can go hunting with this person that and share this ex, like fun experience and meaningful mm-hmm. experience that you both enjoy. But it's not it's not make or break, gentlemen. So. <laughs> if you're listening, <laughs> you can hunt. You can oh, hunt. Doesn't we matter. will put the uh, phone number down in the notes. <laughs> I mean, I think the funny thing with that is like, um, I don't know. I could, like viewing viewing it from more of a bird's eye rather than like personal experience. Is that like when you're on online dating sites and like you're scrolling through guys? I mean, if the first picture that you have in your Tinder profile is you with like a giant bloody deer. I mean, even as someone who hunts, like, I'm like, what are you thinking? Yeah, I <laughs> Like, what are you doing? Um, and I mean, it's, I think that it's great that like, um, people attach so much of themselves to this identity. Um, but I've also talked to some guys that I'm like, oh yeah, you know, like I went on my first whitetail hunt and like kind of tell them the story and they're like, oh, that's cute. You know what I mean? And and I find that like kind of demeaning. So, uh, I, you know, I think that it takes, I think it takes a certain kind of guy to be around um, like self-starting women. And I would say all three of us are self self-starters, you know, like we're all going to go out and do things and it doesn't matter whether we're a girl and it doesn't, and we don't do it because of a boyfriend that's like, oh, come on a hunt with me, you know, um, and I, I think that that's actually like really different. I think that there's something really outside of the box about that. But I mean, <laughs> to that effect, like I would, I personally would rather date somebody who's going to go on these adventures and like want to be a part of it. But mm-hmm. I was raised to step up to the table um, and think that I had an an equal presence there. And, um, I don't know. I think that I think that factors into dating, and I think there are a lot of people that aren't used to that. Yeah. Actually, well, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, just with the, the tin, you know Tinder online dating profiles, instead of seeing dudes with like this is just a suggestion to any guy who's a hunter and on online dating, like don't show your picture of your big buck, but you should show a picture of you like 
cooking some delicious meal because then it's like okay yeah you can totally. cook for me <laughs> yeah <laughs> you hunt and you cook done sold and uh, and the bigger the fish like we we get it you know <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. if you're presenting us with the fish like we're taking all of that literally so <laughs> yeah. thanks thanks for that <laughs> you're look, you're... <laughs> okay so on tinder profiles guys um i mean I there's a lot of fly see. fishermen out here so like it's literally <laughs> like just a dude like presenting like a, a there's there's two kinds there's like the big toad that they got <laughs> or, there's like, or there's like the funny guy who holds up like the like fuck, the fucking minnow <laughs> so like, you know it's um it's uh, funny like there are just a lot of like funny things and i fish therefore i am and the, yeah yeah you know well i think that, you know what they say about big fish is this. A uh, big pan. <laughs> well, you do, if if you're eating fish, <laughs> if we're eating fish, you do get more uh, bang for your buck with the, with the ten pounder than Hi-oh. you do for the five pounder. So I think that it's you know, nice that guys meals. are trying to be providers. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're I wish we had someone have... here that had experience with the with the female, uh, you know, equivalent, you know, with the with the Tinder and the like the 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 female that's like out there doing that same thing. But we don't, unfortunately. You mean a, a, an example of a woman who's got a fish on her profile? Yeah, or or a dead animal, or you know, oh, wh- whatever yeah. you know. So we could just speak to the other side of that. But I have set pictures of me. I mean, I have pictures fish. of my. I have a picture of me like shooting a clay on mine. I don't know. I, I mean, I'd rather have somebody like know that I am like passionate about going out and just doing fun stuff. Like, you, you three are representative of what I think is a very important portion of the hunting public at this point in time, which is the women are the fastest growing, I guess, uh, demographic. What, demographic within the hunting community right now. And the other big statistic that jumps out of me, and this comes from Randall Williams, who you guys did a podcast with, but the other major, major factor in getting both hunting approval and converts to people start hunting is food. And every, all of you yes. mentioned that as your first thing. So mm-hmm. I think you're kind of like right in the sweet spot of where growth in the hunting industry and the acceptance of hunting in a larger cultural. I mean, you're, you're kind of it, you know, you're... Um, you're right there totally. which is interesting it's yeah. super interesting yeah and i think that randall actually helped me out and got me a bunch of uh, interesting stats for this podcast and you know you guys all mentioned food as like a major motivator you know and he was telling me about how you know women are in surveys twice as likely to say that they hunt for meat you know um as compared to men you know which is very very interesting to me you know why that is you know you guys like just suck right towards that you know um and then it's up to almost 11 percent now our female hunters so one out of 10 hunters is wow. now a female. yeah really it's amazing for meat eater viewers it's 20 percent. that's awesome that's really cool yeah it's way cool that makes me proud um moving on we really haven't gotten to anything really sticky yet. Let's do it. Do it. Bring it on. Oh. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> Got the makers. Spent, spent all yesterday preparing and this morning. 
I just I want to be well informed. What's up with the uh, so you guys are now hunters and how you're portrayed um, in the media? And do you appreciate how you're like like the the way that you're being targeted or you know how you know ads are geared towards you in the current hunting media? And then like the current representation of the female hunter on TV. I don't watch a lot of hunting TV myself, but you just kind of see what's out there on the internet, you know, and definitely who I see is usually not who I'm here talking to with right now. Yeah. But I just want to get you guys to take a little on that. I don't have a ton. I also don't watch a lot of television or um, I should maybe watch more, but um, I have like a very clear image of kind of what that person is and, I don't know. It's kind of. I don't know if you should talk about this more. Like those, the Barbie Hunter. Yeah, like. Yeah, I think two things that bother me most, and they probably bother you guys too, are one, the word huntress. Ugh. Yeah. And two. What What's bothersome <clears throat> about huntress? When I think of a huntress, I think of like a, you know, bimboy, sexy, yeah, dolled like up, sexual about it. Yeah, yeah for sure. Hunt, huntress who's not there, who's not there for herself, who's there to like be sexy to men. You know what I mean? And two, shrink it and pink it. Like that is like the, like, <laughs> Sorry, that's like the say? marketing <laughs> slogan for women's hunting clothing and so gear. Oh, it's, yeah. yeah, it's disgusting. I mean, it's like, okay, but pink is not disgusting, but like, it's pretty gross. But the fact that it, it represent, like that's supposed to represent like women hunters. Like I don't see the value of pink at all in the field. You know what I mean? Like, I would rather just wear camo and then, like, hunter or whatever I need to wear. Mm-hmm. Pink is extraneous to me. And, um, I mean, I get the shrinked thing, obviously. Like, we're smaller, generally, than than dudes. But, um, but yeah, I, I just don't like that it's, that's, and it's, and it's not just hunting. It's, like, you know, marketing uh, to women across the board and in, in any thing, you know, any yeah, consumer that it's like item. But I, I, I just of the the whole problem, right? Yeah, totally. Um, but that to me, between the sexed up, you know, Barbie hunting and the the pink and you know all that kind of stuff, like I don't want to be, I don't want to be marketed that way. Like, what's interesting to me is. Um, is not that, and I don't want to name names of like women who do that in the hunting media because we already know who we're talking about for the most part. But what I think is, um, what I do like in, in the media is, um, you know, people like uh, Jennifer Lawrence and um, Hunger Games, you know what I mean? Or like Brave in the, the Disney film, you know what I mean? Like those are like just different representations, different representations of women hunters. Um, and you know, obviously Hunger Games isn't all about hunting, but, um, hunting humans, hunting humans, <laughs> the, most the most dangerous game, game. <laughs> but, um, but like, I like those well, representations. She's meant to be pretty sexy, isn't she? That not, character? Not really. No. I mean, no more than, I mean, they didn't hire me to start in it, which I was really surprised, <laughs> I mean, but I, <laughs> you know what I mean? But not really. I mean, she's, she's, you know, like she's not wearing anything that's like revealing or anything like that. And not to say that women shouldn't wear those kinds of clothes. Women can wear whatever they want, but I, I don't think that, like within hunting media um, specifically. And I mean, being in social um, for meat eater, I definitely like we follow a lot of different accounts and um like definitely like part of what I do is like looking into media and finding out what trends are and um there are a lot of I think really cool and interesting female hunters. I mean, I've always liked 
Rachel Attila. I think that she is really interesting. Um, she's really like the one that stands out to me personally. But uh, I think awesome. like what I think what's happened in like a lot of like like Instagram and um, Facebook is that it becomes like the this like brigade of selfies. Like it becomes a girl who's like rifle hunting in camo with paint on her face, <laughs> and, and you know I know um, from a basic hunting background that that's probably like not necessary so I mean I think that there are a lot of and I I have a real problem when people are like oh like they need to show real women like I believe that these women are real women they're yeah, just isn't that they're like- just playing to their sexuality and I I think that that sells like sex sells but I um I don't know it would be nice to have like more visible hunting role models for like your girls growing up that are like thoughtful and um not narcissistic and and I think that like that's really the key is I think that when you look at a lot of those profiles are kind of like these wannabe um celebrities or you know even the people that are like minor celebrities I, I think some of them are good role models but I think that um like when I'm looking at 45 selfies in a row like I've learned nothing and I and Except I never maybe how to do your makeup yeah, and which I need about, and then and then yeah, then it's not about hunting, and it's not about like the message that you're right, trying to send. A, it's about you being like a sex kitten. Look at me, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think my personal take on like women role models and mentors is that you know, re- like whatever way you look at it, like okay, so hunting is. A sub a subculture like it may have at one point been you know the main culture in our society but now it's it's decreasing and now it's sort of I would consider it like a subculture and I think anybody who participates in a subculture of any kind becomes an ambassador for that subculture and I just when I think about what I look for in a role model or I think role model role model maybe puts like too much pressure on it but like a mentor. Is or somebody who see as a peer? Yeah, yeah. It's just like somebody who's an ambassador, an, an ambassador, and that's like that's more what I want to see is like women who are ambassadors for the sport, not for selfies and cam, you know, in camo, but like women who are. So paint a picture of that ideal. Like who would who would that ideal be? Who would it Bu- be? Build, I guess- build her from the ground up. And like an Instagram account form or like something, Oprah, but in hunting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I can think of, of a lot of like personal female mentors that maybe nobody who listening to this podcast can relate to. But um, I guess just what sort of characteristics and attributes? Oh, I mean, um, I guess somebody who is just like extremely ethical, and that's a very broad term because everyone's personal hunting ethics mm-hmm. are different but um somebody who acts in a way that they have you know n- nothing to hide i guess and that the other people admire oh, i think not just like- men not just women but men you know admire and um and who i guess yeah again like don't make it about their appearance but make it about their actions like i want to yeah. see more of like what what they're doing is is good and and i'm sure there are like again like hunting w- women in hunting who whose actions are genuine but I, I feel, and maybe that's just me, but I feel like so much more distracted by the way that they look and the way that they present themselves and like what their their actions are. If that makes any sense, you know what I mean. And well, I think like the perfect example is like when we had Barb on Meat Eater, 
and she took Steve City grouse hunting. And she, you know, she showed him like this totally different way of hunting. Like a, that was like a really interesting um, relationship between them. And I think that it's kind of like what <laughs> what women do a lot. And we just come at the. And I mean, she obviously like learned from her dad. And like, and I think that um, there are a lot of women in hunting that learn from their parents. And I think that that is a really beautiful thing. I, um, it's awesome to read about people who are taking not just their sons hunting, but they're taking their daughters hunting. And I, and I'm, it seems like that's something that's changed over the past like 30 years. Um, so I don't know. I don't, I feel like in the media, like I have no expectation that I'm going to actually like see more of these people, but like on a level of someone who's a reader or on the level of someone who just likes developing community, like the type of woman that like I want to be around are like women like Brittany and Annie and people like Barb and like people that I can learn from, you know, but I just, I don't discount men from the process either. I just, I think that like there are a lot of, um, really incredible guys out there like doing cool things and hunting. And I think there are a lot of guys that um, aren't, you know. Well, I think it's super important to to, um, establish or find or highlight really good, solid women hunters that have a lot to say and have a lot to show. And, you know, just I'll put it out there that I'm looking for you. (laughs) <laughs> not to date because he's not married. Not to date. No, no. My, my, I have yeah. a baby on the way. Not to date, but to uh, but to uh, you know continue this this effort that we're making here to to put out a certain type of hunting ethic and, and hunting culture that we make at Meat Eater and the rest of our stuff. And and you know it is important. I've been we have been looking for a character for for a female hunting. Call it role model or, or or individual for a while, and um, still looking just just mm-hmm. to put it out there. And I think it is super important because we just interviewed um, this really amazing woman in Washington D.C. for this documentary we're making, and and she has a beautiful hunting story and a beautiful like background, and and her her understanding of the whole thing is really touching and really heartfelt and very smart. And she shared uh, very clearly that she doesn't. She doesn't have anybody to. She doesn't. She doesn't feel she has. She she called it an, an identity uh, crisis in a sense, a hunting identity crisis because she didn't see others um, and feel and hear others that she would consider peers or that she would look up to. Or, and I think I think it's it's really important. No matter what you're doing, you wanna you wanna feel a part of something. And I, I think you know in our media state, we do need. We do need to put people. I mean, you look at you look at Steve and how many people write into us every single day of like, man, I really connect to this community because of because of what you guys do, and right. it's it is important. Yeah, I think it's important to feel represented, like no matter you know consciously or, or or unconsciously, like especially when you're young and you're growing up, like your girls, for example, like you look whenever t- in, in any kind of media form, like you look for someone who who looks like you or who who like who you want to model yourself after, and I haven't found that person in hunting as in like the female role. I mean, Steve has been like an incredible mentor for me. You, Dan, and Giannis have both incred- been incredible mentors for me. And I wouldn't change that for the world. But I do, like, I, I would be lying if I didn't say that I'm, I still always look for some kind of, you know, female mentor in, in, you know, whatever hunting or, or hunting media or, I mean, or really. Any in, media. In any media for, yeah. for, for that matter. But, um, but yeah, I guess I haven't really found that necessarily in 
in the hunting world. I mean, look what Ronda yet. Rousey has done for, for women in, in the fighting world in the past two years or three years. I mean, it's just, it's incredible what's yeah. happened mm-hmm. there. It's, yeah, totally. Absolutely. Yeah, but she's an incredible fighter. Like, she's not just an incredible woman fighter. Like, I don't, or female fighter. Right. I don't know. Like, I think, I don't know if maybe there were more women hunters, to, like, to be role models. Maybe I would feel more, like, attracted, to, not sexually, just, like, to, <laughs> to, to them. But, like, for me, like, Steve and all you guys are that community for me. I don't feel like I have a an, an hunting identity crisis because, for me, like, this works and this fits. And everything you guys are doing and Steve does on his show to me is like how I want to be as a hunter and it doesn't really matter what gender anyone is to me personally. No, I totally understand. And I agree. Like I, I don't say I'm not, I'm not saying I, I don't feel like I don't have like a tribe in, in like the hunting world. It's like, not a you visible guys- tribe that like other people could go and find. Like, I don't know. I mean, it's like, I feel like you kind of have to, you either end up in your own community or you have to really seek it out. And so I feel for somebody who like doesn't have um, what like we're able to have here, and I and I would guess that meat eater is um, special in the fact that there are so many women that work on it, um, and that there have been women working on it all along. You know, on on a behind the scenes basis, and I think that it's. Um, I mean, that was one of the things that got me really excited to work at meat eater is that I interviewed with Brittany and Helen the week before they went elk hunting, and um, I was excited for you guys, and it, you know it. And it was such a great show, and it, um, I don't know, those are the stories that need to be out there, you know? I think that more women are coming to it, um, I think it's a hard thing to come to on your own. And to be honest, like, I don't know if I would have had the ability or, like, confidence to hunt if I hadn't been working at Meat Eater. Like, I would still say that I wanted to hunt, but if I hadn't been working here, like, I don't know that I would have gone hunting last fall. So that's definitely another side of it, I think. We have a we have a built-in community for sure. Hey everybody, listen up. I got I got mega huge news. Meat Eater Live is heading back out on the road. That's right. Join me and the crew, Clay Newcomb, Cal, Yanni, Spencer's gonna be there. Phil the engineer is gonna be there. Meat Eater Live, headed back out. Now, when you get every ticket, okay? Every ticket you buy, you get a signed copy of our new Meat Eater Outdoor Cookbook. This tour is celebrating the release of the book. Buy a ticket, get a signed copy, Meat Eater Outdoor Cookbook, Wild Game Recipes for the Grill, Smoker, Camp Stove, and Camp Fire, which I'll point out is a $38 value. Here's where we're going to go. April 23rd, the Mesa Art Center in Mesa, Arizona. April 24th, the Balboa Theater in San Diego. April 25th, the Grove in Anaheim, California. April 27th, the Crest Theater in Sacramento. April 29, The Union in Salt Lake City. April 30, The Egyptian in Boise. May 1, The Wilma Theater in Missoula. May 2, The Bing Crosby Theater in Spokane, Washington. May 4, Revolution Hall in Portland, Oregon. And May 5, the last day of the tour, Pantages Theater in Tacoma, Washington. For tickets and more information, visit the events page at the Meat Eater. Dot com. Hope to see you at the show. Yeah, and I don't think, you know, I don't think it's necessarily about like trying to divide like men and women, but I don't I also think it's it's sort of silly not to have, you know, to to say like, oh I'm 
I'm gender blind or I'm color blind. Like I think it's you're post feminist, you know. <laughs> I, I don't, so yeah. Right. Like I don't think that that should should be. Like I think we should celebrate our our differences and our similarities. You know what I mean? And and doesn't, but it doesn't mean that I want to be treated any differently. But it's like I. I, I think it would be silly, particularly because women are still the like minority in hunting. I think we do need to take like that extra step to just be like, hey, you know what? Like, come and join our group, and and so that's why I think you know, I, I identify as both a hunter, like in the general sense, and as a woman hunter, and hope that other women see that, you know, who maybe just don't necessarily feel as comfortable, like as as say like we were joining in with you guys hunting and stuff, and um. Who who do need like that that female um, socialization like attack? I don't know what am I trying to say, but um, but yeah, and like I just I hope that I don't know I can be that to somebody. What about for your daughters, Yanis? Do you think they they do you think do you want the female hunting role model for them? Does that matter to you? I think if they um, you know at some point might have a question that I just, you know, might not be able to answer, you know, as a male and it might be hunting related. And at that point they just might need, I mean, that's a big reason that my wife is, you know, continuing her hunting education so that she can have that conversation with them and explain things, you know? And so again, I don't think it's necessary that they need them, but it'd be nice if like the, the, uh, the need came up that, you know, you could say, yeah, we'll go talk to her. Mm-hmm. or go look at her writing, you know, whatever it might be. Well, I think that like traditionally, like if you look at traditional media, like a lot of it is designed to kind of pit women against each other and put us in competitive places. And, um, you know, I think that like when you think about like these, the Barbie hunters, um, I mean, they're not designed to be attractive for women. Like they're designed to be to be pulling men in. And that's um, that creates a competitive kind of environment in itself. So I think it's like, it's interesting when um, women like us who don't necessarily like ascribe to that kind of ideal. I mean, it's not that I'm not going to like put on makeup and wear a dress and like look nice. Um, I'm just not going to be like... You're not going to wear a dress in the the (laughs) field. (laughs) Right, I'm not going to wear a dress like in the mud with my rifle. (laughs) Um, Your pink rifle. Right. But I, I think it is important to like, to recognize that um, I mean, a lot of those girls who were, we might not necessarily be pointing fingers at, I mean, they could be sitting and having a really great intellectual conversation alongside us. So um, I would say that appearance is the thing that like gets you followers or like might be the thing that like brings you to the top of the list. And, and especially in a world where 90% of hunters are men. Like, I mean, if you put an, you know, a normal woman in a hunting show that didn't have that appeal, it would be interesting to me if that show would succeed. Like, and I mean, that's really the basis. Like, do you guys, um, you know, are they going to trade in like what they've been advertised their whole life? I mean, it's the same thing that we've all been advertised, you know, like it's, it's what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be the thin, um, hair extensions, plump lips, you know, 
Instead, you're Neanderthals. Yeah. <laughs> That's why we're, so we're on a podcast. Yeah, yeah exactly. We have faces for radio. I didn't mean it that way. But <laughs> very low kidding. sexual dimorphism exactly. here in the ZPZ West office. Exactly. <laughs> out there listening. Yeah. I will say like one thing about, um, you know, will men relate to, to women in media? And this is a very broad example. And um, But I think it's interesting how many more women... Um, are now like are starring in action movie roles. For example, the most recent Star Wars that came out. I mean, it's about a woman and a black man. You know what I mean? I mean, you see a lot of that. But like in Star Wars, and that movie broke box office records. You know what I mean? And again, like the Hunger Games. Like I think Mad Max. Mad, yeah, Max. Mad Max. Yeah. Like I think actually men are interested in seeing women in these traditionally male roles in the media, and hopefully, it's not. I'm with you. I would love to be more up. optimistic about it. You know. <laughs> I, I am, honestly. Like, yeah, I, unfortunately, <laughs> all those, I think the, those stars that you noted are also very hot and sexy. They are, they? Yeah. And they draw in that same. But you know what? Like men in all those roles are the same. I mean, they're also yeah. just as attractive. And I don't think like in Hungary, like again, they're not wearing. No, I didn't revealing. go watch Star Wars to, to see, you know, tits and ass. Right. Like the Star Wars, that was for the story, that was for the character. No, exactly. Sure. I think there's an element of transcendence no matter what that you know people can get down to. And with hunting particularly, it's such a human activity. It's a transcending activity. It's not mm-hmm. a gendered activity. I mean, we can label that afterward, but the actual experience of But the demographics are gendered. Totally. From a media perspective. Let me ask you this question, because I want to know if maybe you guys, is, could you guys ever foresee any advantages going into the field and being successful in killing something? Could you ever see an advantage being a woman? Sharper yeah. sense of Smaller smell. egos. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. <laughs> no, that's, a bit, it's, that's interesting. It could play a very big role because yeah. as a fly fishing guide, you know, I saw it over and over again. If you took the same, you know, experience of fishermen, and you, it could be beginners and it could be experienced. But, and because I often would have clients that were, um, Couples who had been fishing together for many years and, and both were very experienced, could each cast, you know, way past the bank and get all your flies lost and, you know, sometimes put them where they had to be. But if you had to bet just like who was going to catch the most fish, it was the woman. And it was usually because her lack of ego would allow her to listen to the guide. Mm-hmm take those directions and be like that I'm gonna listen to him because that or her, if the guy was guy was a gal, but that's going to help me catch fish. And so they would end up catching more fish. It would often make for very frustrated husbands, male counterparts. <laughs> but like, so I could see that because you could like put your ego aside and think more clearly through the, you know, tactic or, you know, however you want to look at, you know, whatever was ahead of you, the challenge. I think, I mean, I think coachability is definitely something that's built into women. We were like, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I guess for me personally, I grew up playing sports, so it was a natural part of what I did. And I'm, I'm, maybe I shouldn't speak for all women. I think that like um, when people talk about, I've heard people say, and I haven't seen like anything empirical. If it's out there, please let me know that um, women are better shots when they are learning how to shoot because it's not, I mean, for us, it's just something that we're learning how to do. And for men, it's perceived as something that's a masculine Oh, I should be good at shooting, you know. Um, with that but said, I took like, a bad shot on. No, and I was yeah, rushed. and I'm saying like when you like oh, go out mind. to the range, like and you're like kind of like right. learning that like basic, like the the basics. Like it seems like, um, 
I don't know. Yeah. No, I, I've I heard that a, same thing too, though. I took my wife shooting this year for the first time. And uh, she shot better than I did. But she took, God, it was ridiculous. So it took like time. 30 minutes to shoot four shots. I was like, <laughs> yeah. I to shoot myself. I mean, I'm the same way. I feel yeah. like maybe there's just like a different type of like uh, perfectionism that has like kind of been fostered in us and like kind of a from a gendered perspective I don't know this is all like anecdotal so like yeah. <laughs> just, it's it's funny because I think from like an experiential place like I know that I'm a really coachable person and I know that I'm like a person who's open to that but I also know like other women that I'm like you could never tell them what to do <laughs> so it's 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 a big um I don't know also like again like anecdotally when I was hunting with Doug and the doe, the doe that I shot, I mean, what I guess wasn't seen in the footage was like, we saw her, you know, a very like, uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe like 10 minutes or so before. And Doug was just like, all right, move over here, move over here. And, and she had no idea where we were. And I was like, she's going to walk right in front of me. Like, I don't want to like get up and like rustle around, you know, but he kept being like, and this is nothing against Doug. I loved Doug. And, and I listened to him, you know, no, no problem taking his advice, but I just like, I don't know if this is a good example of either I've just had the patience to wait or like I was just completely ignoring his advice, but he just kept telling me like move and get into this position. And I just, I wanted to wait until she, I, cause I just had this feeling that she was going to walk right in front of me and she did. And I shot her, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know like what that's, if that's either proving or disproving yeah, the point know. that we're making, but I don't know, just another anecdote. But that was that being a woman helped you in that situation. No, but I'm just you know what you guys are talking about, like whether women are more patient to mm. be to wait for a better shot or if we're more coachable. Again, yeah. I don't know. That was just or we just, just haven't that had out like, there. I think hunting and hunting media has been like really male focused. So like we don't necessarily like have all um, of the baggage, I guess, of like having somebody tell us what we should be as marksman or as like a fly fisherman i mean you think of all those words like i mean marks i mean it's not marks woman it can be but like if you're going and like just gonna say it like man like the word man is attached to all those words and i like language so those are just like kind of some of the things that stick out but i don't know i think that like sometimes you get so high level and I just going back to like what we were saying initially, like all of our first hunting experiences, like they weren't gendered experiences, they were hunting experiences. So um, what's the benefit to that? I think maybe the benefit is the fact that like we are in a society like where we can go out and do those things and I can um, own a gun and rent an apartment on my own and um, <laughs> vote. <laughs> oh, no, vote. So, yeah. You know, so, education. Um, we live in like a different world with different opportunities opportunities and I think we're allowed to be more creative within those opportunities than women have been before. So um yeah, I think that we are like a new we are new hunters in kind of the biggest sense of that word. Yeah. You guys are missing out here. Let me tell you. <laughs> I'm just feeling I know where this is going. Okay. You guys have it made as female hunters, okay? Just on the basis of permission. <laughs> I knew you were going to do this. Oh. <laughs> well, Going up to just... like landowners and being like, hi. Well, no. <laughs> you could say, some deer you could, out there. Could, <laughs> um, I made some banana. If you answered the door and, you, and your other self was there talking to you like that, maybe you wouldn't say, yes, you could. 
Well, maybe if, if 3,000 women had come to that door before. <laughs> What's that? If maybe if 3,000 women had came to, come to that same door, the answer would be different. Right? You're yes, right. for sure. You're right. So, but that's just where we stand right now. You're right. But women it's a woman that answers the door. Uh, well, exactly. I think it would still play it, it, on your it behalf. Relate a little bit more any- to us. I mean, women like w- hunting. Women and hunting is is so because women are supposed to be feminine, right? They're supposed to be like providers. In in or not? What am I trying to say? I had written it you down. Guys anyway, are more but respectful and and like le- less of a threat and less likely in I think my eyes at least to like go out and trash my property right. and leave my gates open. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. We're going to be and mad then, that other people are doing that. Yeah. Like I was when I saw the elk hunters. To give you guys time to think about what you guys want to say in your closing comments. I'm going to start off with Steve's closing comment. It's going to come back to the advantages of being a woman associated with hunting. He feels so strongly about it that he oh, told I wish me. he was here right now. <laughs> <laughs> no offense. He bogarted the conversation, though. <laughs> he told me that he would become a woman to gain those advantages. No. What? Get out of here. Oh, God, don't even get me started on this. No. Stephanie Ranella. <laughs> Can you just hear her? He's making me really knocking on those doors, holding that pie. She would have a very slender <laughs> frame. Yes. He would make a good looking gal. Uh, oh poor Rosie. Oh my God. Poor Rosie. <laughs> Amazing amount of hunting properties to hunt on for free. I would never use my gender or sexuality like to my advantage in that situation ever. Even if it was like to get like I don't even know what, the biggest buck in the world. We don't need to here. I mean, I mean, I, I think that like, I don't know. Well, I mean, I think that's a statement of inexperience. You, you do? Oh yeah, because hunting permissions are you need them everywhere, all the time. They're great to have. The more, the better. I've had a couple people offer, but. Um, you had a guy send like his whole yes, exactly. Exactly. I'm surprised you didn't tell what? us about that. Yeah. But since Dan's going to go ahead and pull it out. I forgot about that. That's right. <laughs> well, okay. So I, when we began working with Randy Newberg, part of what we, we were helping out with Hunt Talk. And um, part of what I was doing is going out to Hunt Talk and um, like reading Randy's hunting stories and like figuring out how to factor that into his social and um, I'm nosy and very curious, and I started reading like some of the comment threads, and um, that's a, it's a really cool community. And so I got involved by just opening my big mouth and um, <laughs> you know <laughs> just challenging some of the status quo statements that were going on in there. And I mean, there are a lot of great people who um, I've already like just met through there. I mean, even with Randy. Giannis and I were on his podcast last night. So um, I would go on and ask questions and um, none of those questions were ever asking for anything really specific. It was usually something about shooting or um, like a basic question about tags. And so I asked like a basic question about tags and in Montana and just trying to figure out the system. And I don't even remember like what the question was. But about 15 minutes later, I got a personal message from someone. And he used to hunt in Montana. He had like all of his GPS spots. And he sent me a list of like all of his honey holes Goodness. that he 
accumulated over like the course of his life and like his family's life. So I do. You're, but are you guys saying that's because she was a girl or it was because you were a girl? We don't, we don't know. We I'm really also like I'm also incredibly polite and well spoken and articulate. So I don't know how that helps. No, and I would say that and maybe um, that guy did it has you know been a part of that forum. And anytime there's a beginner on there, he's yeah, like, no, I'm, I'm gonna no, give him, he was throw definitely him a bone. he was definitely like blatantly like do not share this with anybody. Like I'm going out of my way to share this with you because like I and and a lot of it was because I was doing it on my own um, and I was going to go out and hunt by myself, right? So like I had like kind of made this plan and. Um, but I never asked for I make it known that I would never ask anybody for a location to go hunting in. Let's do a social experiment. Seriously. Like for next season, let's let's set some Brittany and I once had a contest that I beat her at. We'll have a different contest here. <laughs> well we'll have a hunting a hunting permission contest for like leading up to fall, like we have to ask I I'll do it or somebody this other guy and we'll we'll go head to head. You ask twenty people for permission. I'll ask 23 people for permission. It's a good exercise anyway. I yeah, mean, totally. Heck, I would yeah. be curious. Exercise. I mean, I'd win. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly, you would. Um, but no, I mean, I, that was, it was a crazy thing for him to offer and I like couldn't explain like how much it meant to me. But I also like, um, a lot of those areas I didn't want to go into by myself. I mean, they're like in the heart of grizzly country. So if anybody wants to go hunting with me, I have some secret spots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I asked you to do your sweetest permission asking of Nicole to get those spots from her. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have my girls in a couple of years come up to yeah, me and ask for them. That's true. They can come with, hunting with me anytime. Any closing thoughts? What are closing thoughts? Last, I don't know. No. We'll wrap up. Um, no. You don't, you don't, no. No. You don't have to have one. <laughs> what? Yes, Someone she does. else go. Or did you, was that yours? No. Oh. I'll go, can I go second? Brittany, you're kind of salty. You're a salty podcaster. <laughs> Why? I don't know. Salty. She's a salty human. That's why I, just I lo- like- love her. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, go ahead. Oh, I don't know. I, I guess like my, before we maybe turn the podcast on we had a like we discussed having a word of intention for for <laughs> our podcast and mine would be ambassador because i just i think i want to be a, an ambassador not only just for hunters but for women hunters um and i i hope that other women want to do the same and i hope that other men want to do the same and encourage more women to get into hunting because i think it's I, again, it's like it doesn't have to be like about you know being macho and you know like oh uh, you know I'm just killing big bucks and all. It's like for me, it's about food, and I think that should be important to everybody. But if it's like, you know, I I'm per- particularly interested in getting women involved, and so anyhow, I would like to be an ambassador. I think more people should be ambassadors, and I think more people, men and women and children, should be interested in in hunting and should feel like meat eater is a safe place and to be there for me to be like their tribe of people and to think that, to know that they can always come to us with questions um, and concerns and that sort of thing. You know, I want us to be that outlet. So that's my closing statement. I think you should go next, Dan. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I, uh, my closing thoughts are my mom is getting back into hunting a little bit and she's 59 and I think 
she got a turkey tag last year because there's been a lot of turkeys in her yard and she didn't kill one and i think she sat she sat two nights in a deer blind this last fall and and this there's been definitely a hunting resurgence in my family i grew up hunting a lot my family's all, all hunted forever forever ever and my mom never killed a deer in my lifetime that i'm aware of but she would always tell the story about the one time she had an opportunity she um she was she actually i shouldn't tell this but i think she was peeing in the deer (laughs) (laughs) so she wasn't ready to go but i'm really excited that she's back and and i think that uh the food part of being involved with meat eater and being part of this company and, and doing this whole thing has been a big part for my family um you know and my my mom and my dad and my brother and have all really been more into the cooking and are you know making sure they get three or four deer a year and fill the freezer and do everything and um it makes me kind of actually want to go hunt with my mom. I haven't actually never have hunted with my mom. I think it'd be really fun. I'd love to, you know, I, my wife has never hunted and she got real excited last year and bought $400 with the tags and never went out. Um, mind you, mind you, she, she did get pregnant and, and yeah. Yeah. a lot of other stuff Something going on up. too. Excuses, um, excuses, excuses. But yeah, no, I think it's great. I think it's, I think it's cool that, uh, we, you know, as a show and as a company are, are uh, you know, getting more into it and addressing it more. It's something I'd like to do more. That's all I got. I have something to say. Namaste. <laughs> Namaste. 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 Uh, um, kind of just continuing what both of you said is like not everyone can work at ZPZ or work on Meat Eater or go to Alaska and film a documentary with Steve. Um so I don't know what I was going to say. <laughs> um, I just think it's super important for us and people in the media and hunters just to be ethical and like put regardless of gender, just like be good examples for everyone because of the general public or people that are into it. Like they have a very clear vision of what we all are. And if you could see us in this room right now, like we're not that. My mom actually bought her tags for this fall to go hunting. She bow hunted when I was, I think before I was born with her brother. She's from Montana. But um, I think that's really cool. And I'm looking forward to hopefully hunting with her this fall. But um, just thinking back to what we talked about, I think that like sometimes this big wall is built between men and women. And um, I think that the three of us especially, and like the, the people here... Um, I love like how conscious we all are about thinking about that wall and like making sure that that wall doesn't get built or at least wondering like why it's there. And I, I like when people are intentionally thoughtful. I think that in, in a very traditional culture, it's easy to, um, you know, shrug your shoulders and say, oh, you're just being PC, you're being politically correct, or you are, um, you know, you're not representative of the whole of hunters. Well, I think that like this hunting is about storytelling and I think that everybody has a story that they can attach to it. And I think that the more open people are about um, the type of people getting into hunting, whether it's women or you know, people coming in from the cities, the hipster hunters, like whatever they are. Um, I mean, I think is, I think that there's a place for everybody in hunting. And um, I, I'm happy that um, I get to be 
a part of that like messaging, especially like coming from Meat Eater and coming from a show that like I feel like I could show it to any of my friends and and I have shown it to a lot of my friends. And it's really cool to get that experience where they're like, oh, like this is totally not a hunting show, you know, but it is. And I just think that gets to the heart of like what we're really talking about, which like isn't gender. It's it's really about like story stories. Very well said. Yes. Um, all I got to say is be wary if a soft-spoken, high-pitched voice, Stephanie Ranella, <laughs> introduces her, yourself at your farm door. Be very, very wary. Thank you for listening. Thank you guys for coming on. I enjoyed it. It was fun. Good Thanks, conversation. Daddy. Sorry we'll for being we'll, so salty. Hopefully we'll do it again. <laughs> Hey, you ever needed something for your home but don't have the cash or credit to pay for it? You can do that at Aaron's. Yep, you can rent to own appliances like washers, dryers, or refrigerators, furniture for your living room or bedroom, even tech. Plus, Aaron's has great brands like HP, Samsung, and Ashley. Life's always changing. Keep it, return it, upgrade it. Aaron's fits your life instead of the other way around. So check out your nearest Aaron's store or visit Aaron's.com to see what I'm talking about. Approval isn't guaranteed and some restrictions apply. You got to see your local store for details. Hey, it's Turkey Week, March 11 through 17. Free shipping on all orders at First Light, FHF Gear, Phelps Game Calls, and the Meat Eater Store, too. You can pick up all the First Light gear that I wear in the Turkey Woods, plus so much more, including Meat Eater by Phelps Turkey Calls, which are straight up killers, and Vortex Red Dots at 20% off. We're going to get you set up for the turkey season. So set up, in fact, that all you have to do is focus on that Tom. So head on over to TheMeatEater.com, March 11 through 17 for Turkey Week.